0: This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network.
1: Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide, from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax – With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? Right.
0: And welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, yesterday in Beijing, in the Great Hall of the People, the 20th Party Congress of the Chinese Communist Party was completed with the expected announcement and coronation, if you like, of Xi Jinping. He will have a third term in power. That's a five-year term. Uh, they meet every five years and this third term will make him the most uh, powerful Chinese leader since Mao Zedong, and it is a a very important moment for China and something the West should be paying close attention to. He is effectively or arguably the most powerful man in the world. He has 1.4 billion citizens, and It was a remarkable sight to see in the Great Hall of the People, so many powerless people really looking like extras in a rather sinister movie. In his opening speech, Jinping focused on corruption, of course, and also on foreign policy. And with the geopolitical world as unstable as it is, what he had to say matters, and what he had to say about Taiwan in particular he was very strong and very pointed. So it's a pleasure to welcome to the standing Ian Williams. Ian is a very experienced journalist. He was foreign correspondent for Channel 4 News, based in Russia first, and then for uh, 11 years in Asia. He joined NBC News as Asia correspondent from 2006 to 2015. He was based in Bangkok. And in Beijing, he's written two nonfiction books about China, Every Breath You Take, China's New Tyranny, which is about the surveillance state that they have there. And his latest book, Fire of the Dragon, China's New Cold War, is a study of China and its place in the world. It was published recently in August, and it is a fascinating read. I can testify... Ian has also won an Emmy and BAFTA awards for his discovery and reporting of Serb detention camps during the war in Bosnia. Ian, thank you very much. Uh, forgive my long-winded um, introduction, but this is probably this Congress that has lasted a week, and the, if you like, coronation of G is very, very significant for us, and there was an incident just before. The coronation was completed involving Hu Jintao, who was Jinping's predecessor, who was removed from his seat on the podium, which was next to uh, Xi. What do you make of that incident? It was an extraordinary event, Eamon, to watch. It happened
2: during the closing session. And what happens traditionally, much of this Congress happens behind closed doors. It's all, all the maneuvering, all the discussions. Well, much of it is decided in advance, of course, but we don't really see the day to day mechanics. But as is traditional, the press are invited in for this closing session. Um, and no sooner had all the cameras been set up when we witnessed this extraordinary. Um, expulsion possibly, but certainly the removal of Hu Jintao from the stage where he was sitting on the immediate left of of Xi Jinping. He clearly didn't want to go. He was uh, raised to his feet and then with one steward holding him pretty firmly under the arm and the other pointing as to where he should go, he was escorted off the stage. On his way past Xi, he leant down and uttered a few words, Ji Burley looked at him, the sat yes. impassively, uh, nodded, and then uh, Hu Jintao tapped on the shoulder of Li Ka Ching, who's the, the premier, who, who looked a little bit more concerned um, before he was ushered off. And it was extraordinary. I mean the Chinese state media is suggesting that he wasn't well, that he was sick. Um, whatever that means, and and others say that he didn't look well earlier in the week at the Congress. Um, Others suggest it was a very public purge on the part of, of Xi Jinping, removing his predecessor.
0: Yes, and because he has been known to be opposed to what Xi Jinping has just now acquired, which is a third term that exceeds the two terms that were the norm, before, and which Hu Jintao himself served.
2: That's right, Eamon. The, the, the leadership of Hu Jintao, which immediately preceded that of Xi, was characterized by, it was far more collegiate, it was far more collective. Uh, this was something which Deng Xiaoping bequeathed on the party. He didn't want to see the abuse of power again by one man, as had happened under Mao. So the whole who leadership was much more collective. And arguably, yes. back then, China was a little bit more open. It was the heyday of the internet, which had not yet been so tightly controlled as it is today. And it was a very different sort of China. And this was very humiliating, this for, for who, and, and whatever the reason for it, it was very symbolic of this shift in the whole emphasis of the way China is run away from the way it was previously to the new one-man rule of Xi Jinping.
0: Let me ask you about the reference in his opening speech a week ago to Taiwan and the suggestion that the Taiwanese could never have independence and that dealing with Taiwan was a matter, becoming a matter of some importance, if not urgency. Yeah. Well, one report I saw suggested that China wanted to do something bef- this year about Taiwan.
2: I'm not sure, you know, they're able to do anything that speedily. I, yes. I certainly think that it's become much more urgent for Xi. This isn't a question of, you know, China's time will come. I mean, as far as he's concerned, today this is China's time. Yes, and and he's made. Um, the recovery, quote-unquote, of Taiwan central to his notion of the rejuvenation of China. It has certainly become more urgent, and he's made it pretty clear that if the Taiwanese don't agree to it, then he will use force to take Taiwan back. Of course, the question is whether China is yet capable of, of launching what would be a very risky invasion Um, especially in the wake of what we've seen in Ukraine, the resolve of the West, uh, the way that um, a smaller but very well-motivated military could thwart the ambitions of a far more powerful neighbor. Um, So it was certainly um, the usual threatening stuff by Xi, but whether he's able to actually translate that immediately into any action, I'm doubtful. I think in the medium term, there is a clear danger here which the West, Taiwan, are all waking up to. Um, but whether Xi is capable or whether he's even willing to take that risk just yet, I'm not so sure because, of course, to try and take Taiwan back and to fail, given how central it is to his own personal project, yes. could, and that could be the end of Xi and possibly the end of the party.
0: Yeah, maybe he's waiting to see what happens to Putin, uh, should his venture fail. <laughs> Absolutely. But- let me ask you, Ian, about this man and his profile. His father was a leader in China. He himself was sent away, as I understand it, as some kind of punishment, sent to a small village with the workers. He, he, he didn't have a meteoric rise. His father was a dissident at some stage, And punished. Am I right in any of those assessments? Because it's interesting to wonder what formed him and what made him what he is today.
2: Yeah, his father was a powerful figure within the Chinese Communist Party, one of the old elders um, who was purged by Mao during the Cultural Revolution which was the period which is somewhat mythologized in China, where Xi supposedly lived in a village and all all this sort of stuff, where he he became a man of the people as they presented. I I think there's a lot of myth there. But certainly the father was purged and then rehabilitated. But the lesson which Xi seems to have learned from this is rather than looking at this as being the, the capricious Um, the brutality of the party, he has seen it more as a lesson in the need to strengthen the party and to make the party more important, more powerful in every aspect of daily life in China. So I remember when I was writing that first book and I interviewed Ai Weiwei, the artist whose father was a very prominent poet and was also caught up in the Cultural Revolution and exiled a little later, I think, than G's father, but Ai Weiwei came to a different conclusion that the party was essentially evil and that any, um, if you were to allow a single body like that to dominate politics without any accountability, then tyranny was inevitable and he's, yes. he's now an exiled dissident. But, of course, G came to the opposite conclusion um, about the need to strengthen the party. And, of course, under him, that's precisely... What's happened in a way that we haven't seen since Mao um, around an individual who is now arguably the most powerful leader since Mao?
0: Now we always think of George Orwell uh, <laughs> well, we often think of George Orwell and 1984 and uh, and other essays that Orwell wrote about tyranny, looking at the Great Hall of the People. Looking at that bro, all men, incidentally, the leaders that uh, on this occasion, although there have there has been the odd woman in leadership positions of so, of sorts. But there is something even about the removal of Hu Jintao, really sinister about this. He seemed to be appealing to Xi, and she, as you said, gave him pretty short shrift, wouldn't make eye contact with him is is this the Orwellian, and you were there for a very long time Ian is this as close as we've seen to the Orwellian nightmare being realized
2: I think it is I mean just to die to to, to to pick up your point about women, it's interesting actually that the Politburo, that the new twenty-four strong Politburo, does not have a single woman in it. Yes. Um, and and you know, until this, the, the, there used to be one in the old Politburo, but now there's not. As they're all men, and you know, little wonder that there is so much discrimination in China and that the Me Too movement has been systematically suppressed. But to to answer your question. It is very sinister, and to me it was fascinating just to look, yes, the the immediate action in the pictures that were were shot um, of, of Hu Jintao's removal. Your eyes are drawn to what's going on, to his clear reluctance to go, his bewilderment, his confusion. Yes. Uh, the cold indifference of those immediately around him. But then cast your eyes behind the massed ranks yes. of the men in the party. And they looked really uncomfortable. I mean, yeah, they're all wearing their COVID masks, but they didn't quite know. They were all looking. And the looks in their eyes, it was one of, I don't know how you would best describe it, but it was shock. Um, there was a certain... um they they were trying not to pay much attention but at the same time you could see that they were transfixed and it was very very sinister um and it it was something uh, there was an advert that apple put out a few years ago when they were launching um one of their new products which was a parody on um orwell and 1984 i think it was the anniversary of 84 at the time and it had this Packed hall full of automats, you know, robots, yes. and it was. I, I thought about that ad when I watched the Congress. Yes. They, 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 these weren't people with any thoughts or opinions of their own. This was packed with people whose sole criteria for being there was absolute loyalty to the to the leader, and it was quite chilling.
0: Yes, and I mean, you've that's experience there for. NBC, for example, you were there for a very long time, over a decade. And I I wonder, is there something in the character of the Chinese people that lends itself to this kind of authoritarianism that would lead you to believe that Xi Jinping is exactly what this society would produce? Or are these guys in the party... Have they hijacked a country that beneath the leadership level is more alive or is it a case that Chinese people, for reasons that I don't know and maybe our listeners don't know, are predisposed to accept someone like this? I think we
2: might well see the answer to that question played out over the next five years. I mean, I was actually at the party congress 10 years ago when she became leader. And I was in the Great Hall when he was wheeled out to to, to meet the press. Um, and every no one really knew him, you know. His his raised his um his rising to the top of the the party. Um, he'd achieved that by really being a. Saying very little and doing very little, which yes. was re- really regarded as being a, a, an accolade, as a, as a good attribute to get to party leadership, and everybody was trying to impose their own view about what he might stand for. And it's incredible today to think that a lot of them thought he was going to be a reformer with yes. with no real evidence to, to back to back that up. But to answer the, your the
0: question, West, I, sorry, no, the, have, I, I, uh, the West seemed to buy that. Into that idea, in terms of trade, I mean Angela Merkel, for example. But George Osborne and Cameron, when they were in office, they seemed to think that this could be, you know, democracy might be facilitated in China by selling them more things. It was incredible that people
2: imposed their own idea on the man, really, with no evidence to to, to back it up. It was wishful thinking, Yes, um, at at, at the most extreme. Um, There was no evidence that Xi was ever a reformer or ever really serious about liberalizing or opening China. But there was a real mindset at that time, 10 years ago, that believed self-servingly, I think, in a lot of cases, that somehow change could be achieved through trade, through investment, through closer economic relations. And as China became richer, so it would become more liberal, more democratic, you know, more like us. And I would argue that was always incredibly naive and was self-justifying in, in, in a lot of ways. But it's incredible to think about that moment 10 years ago when, when yes. Xi was wheeled out as the, as the new leader that there was so there was so much commentary uh, believing blindly with little evidence that here was a reformer that was going to change China in a way that that moved it more towards democracy and liberalisation.
1: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music where all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds.
2: Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous
1: two-year contracts, they said, What the f***
2: are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass."
1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at MintMobile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to health care. That's why UnitedHealthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
2: and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us. Call
0: 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Now he has problems to confront, it seems. There is a property crash in China. We understand and we know all about property crashes in Ireland and what they can do. There's also the zero COVID business which many people believe that zero covid is impossible to achieve for all kinds of reasons he has to deal with those internal problems as well does he not
2: he does and it was notable that on i think on his during his two-hour speech he, he described zero covid as the People's War, very much using the old revolutionary jargon from from the Cultural Revolution days, from from Mao's day. And he's come to, that whole policy has come to be very, very closely identified with him. It's part of the the cult of Xi. And I think that sensible voices in China, um, you don't hear them very much because it's very dangerous to publicly oppose something so closely associated with Xi. But people recognise that this is mad. That economically, this is this makes absolutely no sense and is creating an enormous amount of enormous problems economically. And it was interesting that on the on the first on the Tuesday of the, the Congress, uh, they did not publish economic figures that were due out that day. Um, out of fear of embarrassing Xi. They came out today and they're they're mixed as far as you can ever believe statistics that come out of the Communist Party. Um, And you had economists doing what they frequently do, which is looking at all sorts of other measurements like power output, like traffic, even the amount of tickets sold at Shanghai's Disneyland as a sort of proxy for economic activity because they don't trust the statistics.
0: Now, you spent considerable amount of time in Russia as well, working for Channel 4 News. You know China. This overt support for Putin by Xi and the Chinese, calling Putin his friend, maybe even his best friend, receiving Putin for the Winter Olympics just before Putin, Embarked on the February twenty fourth invasion of Ukraine. Where's the advantage? Are we at the point now, Ian, that Putin and she and perhaps uh, Modi in India, the Iranians, they perceive in the West moment of weakness. They perceive weak weakness, decadence, and this is the time now. To strike at the West,
2: I think that was certainly part of the calculation that we have seen prior to the Ukraine invasion. It's been central to the whole Communist Party outlook in China that the and Xi Jinping's outlook in particular, the West is decadent, it's in yes. decline, that you know China is in the ascendancy, that China's time has come, and this view about the decadent West, unable to get its act together, in decline. Was shared very much by Putin. And I think that when you saw the statement they came out on the eve of the Olympics, it was very much uh, that uh, we are together going to create a new international order and a yes. new era in international relations. And it was um, defined in opposition to Western democracy. Um, if
0: Boris and Donald Trump would have helped that belief uh, grow stronger. <laughs>
2: I think, and you know, Chinese and Russian propaganda. You, you, there's a, there's a long, there's a, there's a streak of what I would call whataboutism, yes. Um, which I mean, even Chinese apologists in the West who would, would point to, you know, what about Trump? What about Brexit? What about the political turmoil? I mean, I'm sure they're having a field day with this this mess in Westminster. Yes. Um, and the idea is this is all evidence of this terrible decline and the need for this new world order which would be safer for autocrats um but i think what's happened since uh, the olympic games the reality of the invasion the very visible brutality and incompetence of the russians the fact that the west has been able to get its act together in opposition to yes. russia the fact that have been quite damaging sanctions um has come as a bit of a wake up call but Nevertheless you know we've seen the latest news that there are Iranians in Crimea helping the Russians with yes. the, with the drones and I'm, I was a little bit skeptical when this when this notion of the uh, the alliance of autocrats uh, was was floated but you, you know, in some ways you are you are seeing that come to fruition with the uh, the, the, the Iranians the russians uh, the Chinese.
0: Yeah, and the visible decline of, say, the United States, uh, certainly in terms of the Republican Party's commitment to defending Europe, to leading NATO, and all of that. I mean, Trump came very close to dismantling NATO, and there is a growing isolationism. That vibe is in the United States, and without the United States, the West is not going to be fighting any big wars, is it? And, of course, Trump hasn't gone away. No, oh, yeah. Nigel DeSantis might be more dangerous.
2: Yeah, and, and there is, I mean, at the moment, there's, there's, there's quite a strong sense of unanimity in Washington about supporting uh, Ukraine. But you're right, there is that isolationist wing in the Republican Party. I mean, you only have to, to, to listen to Fox News briefly to see the whole sort of tone of, of skepticism towards helping Ukraine. Um, and there are those on the Trumpian wing of the Republican Party who have questioned that help. And and you know, what will happen if Trump's returned? Uh, yes. As you say, it, it's yes, there's been an admirable amount of unity in the West towards Ukraine. Uh, but how long can it last? I think that's one of the things that Russia and China are both banking on, that the unity, the sanctions, the resolve that we've seen so far won't last, uh, and, and they can somehow sort of out, outlive the West's resolve. Uh, uh,
0: a final question, in about your view of how long the Chinese Communist Party can remain in control of China. Is it forever, or did you ever feel that this could fall or implode? I think falling
2: and imploding is is... Very possible. And I would never say never. I think there's a sense a lot of people look at the strength, the apparent strength of the party and and Xi and, and believe it could never be challenged or not in the short or medium term. I don't necessarily go along with that. Um, the point you made earlier about the Chinese people's attitude towards Xi, uh, the Communist Party has always been able to justify its existence by its ability. They don't have any demogra- democratic legitimacy, uh, but it's more of a performance legitimacy that they would argue they brought stability, they brought yes. economic advancement. But the number of challenges facing the Communist Party are enormous, from the property crash to zero COVID to a much more wary international uh, situation people generally more suspicious of china uh the technological war with the states for instance restricting yes. ability access to chips and chip making ability uh chip making equipment this is all presenting i think a fairly unique challenge to china and to the party uh, uh perhaps more so than ever. And of course, Xi, some people have argued that this Congress demonstrates his strength, but you could equally argue that it makes uh, a transition to the next leader potentially much more disruptive and messy because at least until now, there was a process there in the party for transitioning from one leader to the other. But this would not only... Is there no one else now to blame because he's got so many yes men around him? But you also argue, well, how are you going to manage the transition? There's no obvious successor. So does that mean there's a greater likelihood of a messier and more unstable transition to the next leader? You take that with all the other challenges. And I, you know, I'm a firm believer that I think that the years ahead are going to be very difficult for the party and for Xi.
0: Okay, Ian, it's fascinating talking to you. Ian Williams is a foreign correspondent, uh, vast experience, won an Emmy and a BAFTA, and spent a lot of time in uh, China. We're very grateful to Ian, I should tell you. He has one book which I've read, which is wonderful, China's uh, Fire of the Dragon, China's New Cold War, uh, which is a study in depth of China and the world, and it uh, came out in August. There's another book which I intend to read, It's called Every Breath You Take, China's New Tyranny. And it's a study of the surveillance state in China, which I'm sure is fascinating. Ian, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the stand. We're very grateful to you. A pleasure, Raymond. And to all of you who listened, thank you very much. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni.